can mean our physical body, but in today's passage, it's really about human beings, sinful desires and actions, which are in opposition to the goodness of God. Um, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and this list of the flesh includes like strife, jealousy, divisions, envy, and these are particularly important to our discussion about goodness today because they show us how we're not supposed to act with others in our community. The second term is the law, and in Galatians, the law refers to the laws of Moses, traditional Jewish laws from, the, um, from Exodus, Leviticus, and the Old Testament timeline. And these customs explained how human beings should be in right relationship with God, but unfortunately, God's people were consistently unable to live under such strict and demanding requirements of the law. And then the third term is the Spirit. So you have um, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Spirit. And the Spirit acts as an intermediary for us. The Spirit lives in Christians and guides us when we need help or when we ask. So now I'm going to actually read the passage, and I want you to pay particular attention to the words the flesh, the law, and the spirit. But if you are, oh, actually I'll just say, it's from Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 18 to 26, and it says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have, been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to anger or envying one another. In this passage, we learn that those living under the Spirit are no longer under the law. We learn that Jesus' crucifixion has, uh, has won victory over the flesh, which is our sinful human nature. And we learn that life in the Spirit, which brings flourishing, is contrasted with life in the flesh, which is, selfishly, which is living selfishly in a way for ourselves. But so what? If we are going to have goodness and order, we need to live by the Spirit. If we are living in the flesh, our tendency will be towards corruption and disorder. In our flesh, we will see immorality, justice, division, anger, and the rest of the rotten fruits. Job was an example of someone who connected to God's goodness. He had his earthly possessions taken away, much of his family was taken away. He suffered from painful boils, and his wife told him to curse God. Despite this, 
Job calls for God's justice, love and goodness towards him, and would not curse God or blame him. We were told that even when faced with loss and suffering, Job was upright and blameless. He followed God's law and didn't sin. There are many other people in the Old Testament who are examples of goodness. You have David, Daniel, Elijah, Moses, Deborah, Ruth, Mary, Peter, Paul, Timothy. And it's not as if each of these per people were perfect and did not sin. Rather, though, each of them trusted God and walked with God and were transformed into people who were good. Goodness is a product of life in relationship with God and is guided by the Spirit. This is why in Galatians, uh, Paul makes such a large discussion of goodness as it re relates to life in the Spirit versus life in the flesh. The letter to the church of Galatia um, put Paul in a challenging position. The Galatians were starting to turn away from Paul's teachings, and some of the local leaders were questioning um, his teaching. And I'm just going to provide a brief summary of Galatians. So um, he said, Paul says to the Galatians, he's like, you're turning away from my teachings and veering away from following God. He reminds them of his teachings and that they're coming directly by revelation from Jesus Christ. And he shows that his doctrine is sound and accepted and that some of the leaders are also starting to um, follow the Old Testament laws again rather, by, rather than being justified by faith. Um, Paul shows we receive God's faith, or God's spirit through faith and it removes the curse of having to live under the law, which is impossible. Paul explains that Jesus came at God's planned time to redeem us, and he says the Galatians are sons and daughters of God too, and not slaves to law or Jewish tradition. And God sent his spirit to them. Paul again explains to the Galatians that if they live under the flesh rather than the spirit, they will not be free. There will also be something over them if they try to live under the law. But with God, we have a promise. In chapter 5, which is where our passage was from today, um, Paul says it's by God's grace and Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that we can be free from sin, and anyone can be free from sin. Paul explains the freedom that we can have through the Holy Spirit and compares and contrasts a spirit-led life with life in the flesh. So you have the spirit, love, joy, and peace, versus the flesh, which is anger, divisions, envy, and um, yeah, life under the flesh. But then a little bit past chapter five, we have chapter six, which I think is an important part to this passage, and it's where Paul explains that we have a new life in Christ. We are to bear each other's burdens, and he also says what we sow, we will reap. If we live by the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. If we live in the flesh, we will reap its corruption. Living in the Spirit allows us to life, live a life of goodness. So we've just talked about um, a life in the Spirit versus a life in the flesh. And now we're going to explain why generosity is not um, an essential part of goodness as well.
Um, why is generosity a part of goodness? Well, in verse 21, uh, in the passage, it gives us a hint. So, the opposite of goodness, in verse 21, is shown to be envy. And envy is not just jealousy where we want something, but it's where, um, it's where we want someone else to suffer loss because of what that person has or is. And given that Alex isn't here for basketball illustrations, I'll have my shot at one. Um, and I'll even include his favorite team, Golden State Warriors. So um, a few years back, the Toronto Raptors had an all-star are a great year, and they picked up an all-star player in Kawhi Leonard. Um, they made it to the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors and went up 3-1 in the series. So everything's looking good. And then Kevin Durant, one of the Warriors all-star players, came back from injury. In the second quarter, Kevin Durant went down with an injury. What was remembered about that injury was that the Raptors fans in the crowd all started to cheer. They wanted what Kevin Durant had, and they wished ill will against Durant and the Warriors because they wanted to win so much. That was envy. Um, Durant didn't end up playing for another year and a half after that. Envy is the opposite of goodness. When we're hoping that bad things happen to others, and wishing the worst for them, we are living in the flesh. This will lead to further resentment. It's not kind, it's not generous, it's not redemptive, it's not compassionate. Envy is the reason we need goodness. We need goodness to counteract the damage of envy and sin in our world. When the Spirit leads us, we will start to see redemption. We will have hearts ready to be compassionate and generous. If we're truly going to see goodness in action, the best place for us to look is at the life of Jesus. Paul explains in uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 10, and it says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. I included these verses because I think it helps us grasp the concept we know, that we know that goodness is more than just doing what is right and righteous. It also shows that God's goodness is far beyond ours and that he's willing to die for us. Um, and yeah, that's well beyond regular justice. Um, remember that quote from earlier again though? Goodness is an attitude of generous kindliness to others, which is happy to do far more than is required by mere justice. God's goodness is generosity, which offers as much good as we're able to receive. 
and offers us goodness even when justice would leave us in our sin and separated from him. One other major act of God's generosity is giving us the Spirit. In giving us the, the Spirit, it was given to us to guide us, be with us, and comfort us. Goodness goes above and beyond wrongdoing, or avoiding wrongdoing. Goodness includes generosity that goes the extra mile to do what is right, even when the person who benefits from it hasn't earned it. So, talked about what goodness is, talked about what goodness is not, but now we kind of need to know what to do with it. There's a conflict here because as Christians, God's Spirit lives in us. However, sometimes it feels like we're at war with ourselves because sometimes we're more attuned to the works of the flesh rather than the works of the Spirit. We sometimes realize that we have this internal battle and ask questions like, why do I get so angry in traffic? Or when a family member doesn't agree with me? Why do I say things that hurt people, especially the ones that are close to me? Why are my thoughts toxic towards myself and others? And why do I envy people and want what they have and want them not to have it? We can be overly attuned to our flesh and sin to the point where we get distracted from the Spirit's leading and we don't allow our relationship with God to guide us towards goodness. Why does this happen though? Well, one reason is maybe we don't fully recognize God's love for us or it's hard for us to fully accept. God's perfect love makes us worthy and sometimes we're attuned to bad things we do, but we don't recognize the good that the Spirit is doing and working in us. And God's Spirit is working in us, but sometimes it takes time to actually see that. Paul continues his fruit and gardening analogy in Galatians chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, and it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. Um, for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Sometimes the changes that the Spirit produces will be quick, and sometimes it will take a long time. Maybe it'll be today. Maybe it'll be in the next generation. Um, but we are being transformed by the Spirit. And it, yeah, we are being transformed by the Spirit. And at the same time, changes can be drastic. Paul, talk, Paul offers a look at what a life attuned to the Spirit will look like. In Philippians, he wrote down um, a letter in prison, and he was struggling with not having enough food, and yet somehow... He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And under hard circumstances, he was guided by the Spirit. He also suffered lots of physical harm, injuries, emotional struggles, loss of friends, things that I don't want to go through. And he was guided by the Spirit and gave us instructions on how to handle it. 
How did Paul become attuned to recognize God's spirit and realize that God was enough despite challenging circumstances? Well, we know that um, sowing by the spirit promises good fruit if we are led by the spirit. Um, we just need to attune ourselves to it. So, I guess, like, when we think about it, when a farmer has an orchard of trees, they're often very attuned to everything that is happening. The changes of season, the weather, the soil, pruning, spacing, and by being attuned with the farm, they can cultivate good fruit. God, by his spirit, wants to cultivate good fruit in us. So, how do we attune ourselves to good fruit in ourselves and others? Well, one, I think we need to start looking for it. As Christians, if we are following the Spirit, there is a promise that the Spirit is working through us, and paying attention to some of those nudges and subtle feelings will start. There will be fruit, and we should be paying attention to how we change. Are we becoming more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled? Additionally, if we regularly ask each other in our community where we see um, God at work in our lives, we will start to be encouraged and see some of those areas. Second area we can start to become more attuned is we can look at our past. We do this by recognizing where God has already worked through us for good. Again, these may be subtle things where maybe we took a step out of faith, step out in faith. And the past is a good reminder of God's goodness and reminds us of God's promise to be faithful and present. And, um, and this is also helpful for future challenges as well. The third area would be not brushing off goodness or changes. We need to try to recognize and celebrate when we do good and when the Spirit leads us. Our identity should be in Jesus, and we are his image bearers and becoming more like him. The fourth area is prayer, and prayer is a place where you can start attuning to the Spirit. Individually and in groups, we often start to sense God's leading us. And the fifth area is in reading our Bible. Uh, reading your Bible will often prompt thoughts and direction on how to act. If something sticks out, pay attention to it. Now, this is a bit of a long list, and it can kind of feel overwhelming to try to do so many things at once. It kind of reminds me of a time when I was rock climbing and bouldering a lot a few years back, and each route in bouldering is different, has a different difficulty, and the place I went had kind of six different levels of difficulty to climb. Ones were easy, twos were very doable, could do some of the threes, some of the threes were a little too hard, but the levels fours, five, and sixes, I didn't really try them. One evening, I was climbing, and one of the climbs looked really cool, and I mentioned it. But it was a level four, so I wasn't gonna try it, because why even bother? But one of my buddies said I should try, or I should give it a try. And I thought it was too hard, but someone was saying that I could do it. It was quite challenging, and I spent a lot of time watching others do it, 
visualizing the holds and, um, and actually gave it a try a few times over the next couple weeks. I fell a bunch of times and kept working at it and eventually I figured out how to do the really cool looking climb and it felt really good. Sometimes we need a little bit of extra encouragement and I really think if we encourage others in our community to just take a little step out of our comfort zones in goodness, kindness, generosity, as, our, as we're led, I think we'll start to see the fruits of it. And without that encouragement, our community will probably miss out on a lot of the really cool climbs. When we attune to our mistakes, our missteps, and works of the flesh, we start to believe that that is where our identity is. And we start to figure out, and start to figure out how we can follow the law again to try and make ourselves right, and do that rather than living by faith. We need to start attuning to the spirit and see the good that comes from it. It will be on just doing good. It will be goodness, kindness, patience, and more. And what it will be, will what it will produce will be redemptive. It'll be redemptive to our relationships, to our community, to our city, and to ourselves. We will start to see these fruits more naturally as we become more attuned to God's spirit. We will start to recognize God's goodness all around us. And we will be part of God's kingdom work and bringing his kingdom of goodness here on earth. John Stott described an important distinction here, though, when it comes to walking in the Spirit. He says, we can be led by the Spirit, but we must do the walking. I was reading a book this week called Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. It talks about statistics and perspectives. It talks about people dying of starvation, but plenty of excess food in our world. Often, we're content with things the way they are, or maybe saddened by poverty we see. And one thing that challenged me was the way we think about resources and money. As Christians, what we have belongs to God. When it comes to generosity, are we focused on what we're giving, or are we acknowledging that everything we have as Christians belongs to God and stewarding it? Are we radical in our goodness, the time we give to people, the kindness we show, and the patience? And are we part of God's redeeming plan? I think we are. We can be led by the Spirit, but we need to do some of the walking too. And I've seen a lot of people here at Cascades who are walking, showing goodness, and, yeah, and showing goodness to the world and generosity and all that. So it's pretty cool to see. I think an uh, appropriate way to finish off this discussion, though, is by recognizing God's goodness for us too. And I got this list from a book called Good and Beautiful God. And it has a list of blessings that the author wrote which show God's goodness to us in his creation. And so this list is called Jim's Ongoing List of Blessings. And it starts like this. A, a glass of iced tea on a hot day, books, naps that refresh, the loved one who finally came to know God, 
tennis, colors, smells, dreams, day or night, the sunshine, the wisdom of others, laughter, a stranger's smile, my dog wagging its tail, happy to see me, music, clean socks, the hallelujah chorus, mentors, a child's hugs, ice cream, curiosity, the smell of the woods, poetry, warm cookies, the ocean, people who are lights, the wonder of the immune system, coffee, the smell of rain, prayer, the hope of heaven that awaits me, second chances, butterflies, longtime friends, parents loving their kids, Christmas, enriching conversations, the Bible, scientists who discover amazing things, and chocolate.